We are so thrilled to have returning to the show baseball content creator extraordinaire with John Boy Media, Jolly Olive, a.k.a. Jack. Welcome back to the walk-off, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me back. It's my favorite thing when I when I do a show and then the hosts think of me uh, to bring me back a little bit later on. So I become like a recurring character in the universe. So I'm very excited. Yes, you're a walk-off recurring character at this point. And before we even get into (laughs) stuff, man, I just wanted to say uh, the video you just put out on Shin Tzu Chu was so awesome, dude. I I, I know I've given you compliments on your videos before, but you do have this ability to, like, take a player that everyone's aware of. I mean, we all know Chu. We all know he had a pretty decent career. And then when you lay it out like that, I was just like, holy shit. This dude was like an elite player for almost a decade and I would have never put him on that list. So like, well done, man. Great job. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. I mean, those kind of videos are my favorite to do. And interestingly enough, the philosophy behind it was like December and January views stink. So I'm going to make videos about things that I want to make videos about if they get views, cool, if they don't, whatever. And that one happened to reach the right audience, which is, you know, all of us, I guess. So I was, I was really happy to see that one do well. It's kind of crazy when you just kind of look at the Pacific Rim and just how much of a bigger role it's kind of playing in Major League Baseball in the last 10 years, even five years. Because, man, I remember looking back 20 years ago and like you'd get one guy from Japan every like three years. And now we're at the point where literally there's like half a dozen guys posted every year coming over. Yeah, it's wild. It's so wild. It's so great. Speaking of Japan. Uh, we're going to touch on this first before we get into anything, uh, because we did just kind of watch the wildest free agency in baseball, maybe history, with Shohei Otani go down here. And I- I'll be honest, Jack, uh, Blue Jays fans, we took a real beating, man. And and I, I want to stay, I, I want to state, we're not ridiculous. Like, we truly thought there was no way he was going to be a Toronto Blue Jay in- until we he did <laughs> like so we thought he was, was on a like, plane he's here on a plane to toronto <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean uh, that's what i was gonna say i don't really think it's your guys's fault in the first place because everything that you were told indicated that you were you were in this hunt until the very end uh, i thought the way that it, it was handled was, was pretty poor not by the fault of otani who you know didn't mm-hmm. didn't really do any of this um but it you know it kind of made a lot of people expose themselves as maybe uh a little too reactionary or not professional enough handling what is the biggest free agency, like you said. Uh, and Blue Jays fans caught the brunt of it, man. They caught the unfortunate brunt of it when I think deep down all of us before those rumors kind of felt like Otani to the Dodgers felt certain. Yeah. I think we Do just you think that with I, sorry, I think Otani to the Dodgers, I just didn't want it to be true because it just felt like it was so inevitable that it was a boring conclusion to one of the most exciting free agents in the history of sports right like would have been just as bad if he went to the yankees so and part of me was kind of like because we did winter meetings this year which was a lot of fun but the entire thing was held up by otani and his decision Mm -hmm. and the entire time we're kind of like i mean he's just he's just going to the dodgers right yeah if you're just going to the dodgers just go to the dodgers already Let's just get the number ironed out and then let's keep going and let's have some fun stuff happen. And in the end, he signed basically a couple days after we got home and the entire thing. I don't want to say it was a waste of time. It was a great experience, but it could have been so much more because it was just holding everything up. What were the vibes like at winter meetings? Was That was the first time you'd done that, right? 
Yes, that was my first time going. I was with BBD, who had been a few times, so he was a little bit more mm -hmm. experienced than I was. Um, the vibes were good. People were very friendly towards us. They they knew who we were. They were they were willing to do content, even though it wasn't you know Jimmy and Jake in front of them. Um, and I think the there was a general tension to it all because we were all like the Otani bubble is going to burst. And then once that goes, everything else is going to go since we're all in the same place. And then it just never did. So it was kind of like waiting for a balloon to pop and then, you know, having it deflate instead, you know, like there was no real big explosion. And then the explosion came once everybody went back home. Um, but I'm hoping that by Christmas, we get some, some big marquee free agents off the board. That'd be nice. Cause it's been pretty slow, man. Oh man. It's been slow. What do you think the holdup is? Is I, I listen, I know Yamamoto is so sought after right now. And he's another unicorn yeah. in this free agent market. Cause we've never seen a guy posted. And then, I mean, we'll need to wait and see how it goes, but dude, he could literally get 10 plus years, 300 plus million dollars. And he's never played in major league baseball. Uh, the Mets are in on him. Do you have a rough idea of like where, if you were just to guess, obviously you don't have a crystal ball. If you're just going to guess what number and what team do you see in Yamamoto's future? And don't say the Yankees um, I it to yourself if that's the case. No. <laughs> um, deep, deep down. So I think that he, in my video that I did about him about five weeks ago, I was like, yeah, I think we could totally see that $200 million number. And since then, everything has indicated that we're going to blow past that and approach mm -hmm. 300, possibly 400 million. And the fact of it is that 25-year-old starting pitchers don't hit free agency ever. So it's a very unique scenario. It's a guy that's very – he's been elite, and I think people see the success of Kodai Sango from the year before, and they see his resume in Japan compared to Yamamoto's and think, okay, this guy's going to be worth much more than that, and we'll get that instant success as well, plus he's younger, all that. Um, so I think that number is going to reach around 250, 300 million. I wouldn't be surprised because it's going to be a bidding war. Uh, starting pitching is very top heavy with the likes of Cy Young winner Snell and Jordan Montgomery and now Yamamoto. Those are kind of the marquee mm -hmm. three. And I think he's delaying everything because he's set in the market. Because Otani can't really set the market because he's a unicorn in the fact that he hits and pitches. So you can't yeah. really compare yourself to that or you can compare yourself to half of that, but then that gets weird. So I think everyone's kind of waiting on Yamamoto and I don't know, man. It feels like a three-horse race. It feels like Mets, Yankees, Dodgers. And the the baseball realist in me is saying that Yamamoto is going to use the New York teams to drive up the price and then eventually just go out west anyway, get as much money as he can from the Dodgers, who are only going to pay Otani $2 million a year. And then part of me is surrounded by Yankees fans all day, every day. And they're all telling me <laughs> that they're getting Yamamoto. Um, so I don't know. It's I'm still juggling up the possibilities in the air. I think my baseball brain says Dodgers and the fear of my baseball heart says Yankees and the hope of my baseball body says Mets. That's not an answer, but. It is so wild to me that he could literally get the biggest pitching contract in history and has never played in MLB like and listen I I watched your video I've been very aware of Yamamoto I I think he's a pretty safe bet but is that an actual yeah. like is there such thing as a safe bet oh I, I 400 yeah, I mean, million it's, I don't it's think always so. gonna be <laughs> it's always gonna be a wild card and like yeah I mean your old old baseball fans are gonna get mad at this because it's a guy mm -hmm. that's never thrown a pitch getting that much money and that's that's ludicrous in concept but Every year, it just depends on what the market is. And this year's market is thin and top-heavy. So, like, if you want top-tier talent, if you're looking to enter a window or secure a window, you're going to have to spend big on risky guys like Cody Bellinger, who I'm sure we'll talk about with your Blue Jays, uh, and 
Yamamoto, who's never pitched in MLB, but has been pitching for seven years at an elite level. Do you believe in Jordan Montgomery? I do. I think that he had a really good cash in year, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. We've seen plenty of guys get really good contract years and then go on and still be productive later on, maybe not quite the level that they were. And Montgomery is a really good case of this. I think I think his biggest draws in the past three years, he's been a 200-inning workhorse who has pitched well in big games, as evident by the recent World Series run. And that goes a long way for me because I think volume is kind of back in the uh, the minds of the baseball fans who need a guy that's going to go every fifth day and give you six, seven innings. And Montgomery can do that at a pretty efficient level. And I think he's he's going to be, you know, in his prime sort of during the, the first half of this contract. And I think he scares me a hell of a lot less than Snell, who is, I think, more of a risk than Yamamoto is in the first place because you never really know what version of Snell you're going to get. And he's another guy that had a great contract year. So if the Mets do end up with a guy like Montgomery instead of a guy like Yamamoto, I'm still okay with that. It's just the upside of Yamamoto, I think, is more alluring to baseball fans. I, I agree with you. And I, I it's, it's funny when you look at Jordan Montgomery because he is a guy that maybe is um... – an outside the box pick for a guy mm-hmm. who's going to get a pretty darn good contract with some real term right. to it. And it just does go to show you how much value there is in starting pitching. And I know I, I try not to do it, Jack, but I wound up in an argument online about Alec Manoa and just the fact, mm-hmm. listen, there's a lot of fan bases out there that just don't like him as a dude. And I feel yeah. like it makes them unbiased and I could be wrong, but I'd love to hear your opinion on does Alec Manoa right now still have value on the trade market and i'm not asking if he has like you know going to get an absolute haul but i feel like as a 25 year old who's only one year removed from being a cy young finalist the guy still moves the needle for some organizations where are you at on alec manoa i think the blue jays are pretty ludicrous for wanting to trade him at this point because even if that is the long-term plan, you're, you're selling at the lowest value. And I, I know that there are arguments for both sides about him needing a reset and then being able to sell on the potential. But the Blue Jays had one of the better rotations in baseball last year. And imagine how much better it could have been if Alec Manoa was still a top three Cy Young guy. It could be in there with the 2011 Phillies of Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay and Roy Oswald. Yeah. That level of rotation if you have an ace caliber guy like Manoa on top of it all. So why not bank on that upside, especially if the market for him is not really there right now. Like the trade market is very competitive. Juan Soto set the price there and the Blue Jays have capital to spend. I know that guys like Bellinger or maybe Jorge Soler aren't as alluring a potential of, you know, Shohei Otani, who would be, you know, instantly the best hitter in that lineup. But it doesn't change the fact that the Blue Jays don't necessarily have to dip their toe in that pool yet. If Alec Manoa returns to form, then it shows that this year, this past year was a blip, and then you can capitalize on it if you want. You still have Bassett for another two years. Gosman mm-hmm. looks like he might never and never leave Toronto since he loves it so much. <laughs> I think they should entertain the possibility of trading someone like Kikuchi a little bit more, capitalize mm-hmm. on the year that he just had. He's a little bit more expendable in my mind. Maybe the net is not possibly the same, but if you have starters to deal, Alec Manoa is, is not the guy I would deal possibility of Alec Manoa hitting 180 innings and pitching to a four ERA in 2024 over under what are you taking 
Mm, that's a good question because that's that's a tempered expectation for him, I think. And I think the big issue this past year, outside of you know whatever attitude issues we want to talk about, was the workload from the year before. He mm-hmm. threw a ton of innings in what was his first real season as a big leaguer, far more innings than he ever threw in affiliate ball. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing that's going to be at the forefront of the Blue Jays management is how can we ease this guy's workload and make sure we're getting the best possible version of him. Um, I think 150 innings, though, is realistic. If you're going to be a major league starter, that's what's going to be expected of you. That's what's going to get you paid outside of the quality of innings that you're throwing. you got to be out there every fifth day. Um, as for a four-year A, I mean, he was well under that at his best. Not do I think that he's going to be at his best. I don't know, because this year was such a, a downward spiral for him but i certainly think he can return to form i still think the stuff is there so yeah i i, I would take the over i guess the over being the positive expectation there of yeah. 150 innings for era because he's no longer expected to be the ace that burden now falls on gosman and bassett who just came off great years manoa can kind of back in not having that huge void to fill and just kind of be himself and find it again so speaking of finding it again the top free agent currently is Probably Cody Bellinger, which it does seem like the Blue Jays are in on him. If he does wind up getting what, and I mean, it's so hard to actually know the number he's going to get because Scott Boris is at work. So like, you know, you hear all these rumors of him being worth more than $200 million. And it's tough after watching what happened with Otani to actually know what really is the number there. Um, do you see Cody Bellinger at 28 years old uh, after a rebound year here? How I, I guess my my question for you, Jack, is how much risk is attached co- to Cody Bellinger if you got to go seven, eight years, 220 million? Yeah, I mean, there there's risk. I mean, you look at those recent years and they're just such a far cry from from what he was and. You could attribute it to change of scenery or him finally shaking that nagging injury uh, with his shoulder. There's a, there's a bunch of things that can contribute to his turnaround. But it doesn't change the fact that giving him seven to eight years is a massive commitment considering how sporadic he was and how much a team like the Dodgers really didn't want to give up on him. And then he essentially forced their hand for, through his poor play. Um, the money commitment. I think is, is easing back a little bit. We were getting towards that 300 frame, which felt a little crazy. I mean, you think about a guy who's 28 years old, he plays a premium position. He's got a power and speed in his bag. He's got a good glove. He should get that kind of money, but it's just, there's an asterisk that comes with mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger inherently. But that being said, if you're paying for the front half of this contract and Cody Bellinger is the guy that he was at Wrigley field last year, then it, it might be a hell of a deal for the blue Jays. Cause it's kind of, you know, we're, we're going to move, George Springer out soon. They were talking about trading mm-hmm. him too. Like you kind of need to replace something uh, in that lineup. And, you know, with money coming off the books, Bellinger is not a bad option. In fact, he's probably your best option right now. Um, unless the Blue Jays are of the mind of, we want to save our bucks and get in on the Soto sweepstakes next year. Because Soto has made it clear he's going to test the water. He's going to hit free agency. I don't think an extension is going to happen because Boris client. Um, so it depends on what the mentality of the Blue Jays front office is right now. Is this year going to be a transition year? Are we trying to keep this window open and add to it? Because uh, that'll really determine whether or not they get Bellinger. And it seems like they're the front runners right now if they want to be. Mm-hmm. Speaking of transition years, that's kind of where your Mets are at right now. I know they've kind of come out and said that, you know, they're putting their eggs in the 2025 basket. And this is all about setting up for a run at that point. 
I am so curious about what direction they take with Pete Alonso, and I'd love to hear your opinion mm-hmm. on that. Do you see them keeping him long term, or is this a guy we could legitimately see hit the trade market in the next month once more guys come off of the? Because uh, it is a thin market when it comes to free agency and and power bats. Yeah, I mean, so I think that the mindset is that the Mets front office believes they can replace that production. And I think the general psyche of the baseball fan is uh, you can find first base and that can hit you 30 home runs. So you can get lucky from drawn from that pool and get, get power numbers there. I'm actually going to pull in from the script I'm writing today because I thought it was super interesting and I didn't expect it. I'm going to ask both of you this question. How many first basemen had 30 home runs or more last season? Just give me a number. Three. Four. Okay, so you guys both went low. The answer is four. The two years prior, it was double digits. But in this past year, it was four. And I think probably the, because the we have Vladdy, that, so we're painting. Yeah, that's Vladdy. We're like, so, yep, first yep. baseman don't hit 30 home runs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I, th- I think that the Mets are underselling the factor of Pete Alonso's ridiculous power a little bit too much. But you have to weigh in the fact that, yeah, this is a transition year. The Mets have been awfully quiet in free agency outside of the bullpen building moves and bench moves. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's better to not win free agency because I'm pretty sure we won free agency the last two years and have basically nothing to show for it. But at the same time, it doesn't eliminate the fact that you can still extend Pete Alonso for this $200 million number or whatever it's going to end up being because he's going to shatter all these franchise records. He likes playing in New York. He advocates for others to play for the Mets. And that's, those are huge benefactors to keeping him around. It's just, what is the trade package going to look like? And is it worth it for someone who could possibly be, you know, the best hitter in your franchise's history? And the Blue Jays are kind of in a similar conundrum with mm-hmm. Vlad. Like they're at sort of a crossroads here. Okay, we can dive so much more into this, but we have so many listener questions and we know sure. you're on on the clock here. So we'll just move on from the there uh i do have two questions for you before we throw to adam here for listener questions uh so doing an immaculate grid kind of theme here what is your favorite player that played both on the blue jays and the mets and why is it jose reyes kidding (laughs) oh not quite but the answer for me is super easy because it's actually uh one of my favorite mets of all time if not my favorite and that is r.a dickey r.a dickey Won the 2012 Cy Young. He's right there in your background looking great. Knuckleballer, which is obviously <laughs> fan favorite. And then he brought us, you know, Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darnell, which is a trade that I think benefited both sides. The Blue Jays kind of entered their window and mm-hmm. it gave us two guys that we very much needed in the future. Um, so Ari Dickey, I think, is easily my favorite Med Blue Jay. I love that. Me too, buddy. Me too. Obviously. Uh, uh, I, Carlos I gotta Delgado. Go. Yeah, little, my, or little, Carlos yeah. Delgado. Carlos that's Delgado's a great pick as well. Probably should have thought of that first, honestly. Okay, so before we throw to Lister questions here, I'm going to name five players who had down years in 2023. Mm. And I'm curious on your thoughts as to where they wind up being in 2024. And we will start with uh, a New York Met, Brett Batty. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting do you situation. Believe, do you believe in him? Uh, Prospect rankings are are interesting, man. I just I, I didn't fired off a tweet about Joey Bart yesterday. He was, he was the number fifteen prospect in baseball. Looks like the Giants are trying to get rid of him. Uh, I'll believe in him until I have no reason to. And last year was tough. It doesn't look like the Mets are are seeking a third base option, so the job is still up for him to take. It's just about whether 
or not he wants to take it. He didn't look great at the field. He was swinging at really bad pitches last year. So can he turn that all around in a season? No, but I think the Mets are just looking for any sort of upward progress, which is entirely possible. Okay, now we'll go with a Blue Jay. George Springer, who had his worst career year last season, since he was a rookie anyways. Since he was a rookie. Yeah, I mean, Springer is a guy I still will always believe in. I think it might be time for him to get out of the center field. I don't know if they've started that transition yet or not. Um, yep. I think that kind of thing always really takes the ease off of a player's mind because half the game you're worrying about covering all that ground. Um, so I think Springer's he's entering that part of the contract where the front half is over. And now you're easing him out of center field, which is probably always the plan. Um, so if you can get him off his feet a little bit more, get him with DH time, I see no and why George Springer can't beat the bat that he once was because I don't think that's gone away at all. Okay, now we're going to do a couple Carloses here. Let's start with Carlos Rodon. Yeah, I I know it's it's a little bit inherent Yankee bias or whatever, but I I never really loved that contract when they first signed it just because he always kind of had that inherent injury risk. Uh, I like them for Yamamoto a lot more. Um and I think they'd be even more of a front runner if they never engaged in the Rodon contract. But the fact that he was so, so bad in the first year of that deal makes this year incredibly important for him to excel mm -hmm. in. And hopefully he comes back 100% healthy. But you can see it on his baseball reference page. When he's right, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. And when he's not, these aren't just mediocre seasons. They are massive blow-up seasons. He is a non-factor or a negative net factor. Um, so for Rodon, it's going to be one or the other. And I'm, I'm not really sure which one it's going to be. Okay, the other Carlos is Correa. Ooh, Correa's weird, you know? I, so it, weird, was it, so weird. super weird. Was <laughs> it Was it the physical injury that everyone was talking about? Was that the reason he had a slow year? Or was it just a blip? And I, part of me thinks that it was just a blip because I just I think he's too good to not be good for this entire contract that he's in. Uh, and I sure hope so for Twins fans. So yeah, I, I, I think in, in a little bit of the... Uh, Astros bias like I had with I, I would bet on Correa to be a Correa again okay and the last name before we get to listener questions here and Jack thanks again man for taking the time we always love chatting ball with you buddy uh okay. and this isn't this is an interesting name because he had such a hot April another Blue Jay here and one of the most sought after free agents uh on the third base market Matt Chapman I uh I'm not a Matt Chapman believer. Uh Blue Jays fans, they had trouble with Matt Chapman last year. You look at those splits after the first three months or after the first month, the three months that followed, he was, you know, well, well, well below league average. And I think everything kind of evens out in the end and you love that platinum glove. But the guy's gonna get a five to six year deal. He's gonna approach 150 million, 200 million. And I just don't think he's ever been that consistent of a player for a team to sign up for that willingly and feel really good about it, unless it's absolute fail safe. Um, so Matt Chapman, I'm not super high on you like the glove. You like the moments where he's hot, uh, but you go back and look at those splits from even you go back to 2019. Uh, the splits have never been consistent in his career. Yeah. It was pretty tough at times watching Matt Chapman uh, swing through middle center, 94 mile an hour fastballs last year to end not rallies. Interested. It was just like, ah, <laughs> just not interested. Yeah. All right, Adam, all you buddy, let's get through as many listener questions as we can here. All right. Uh, quick answer on these hopefully, but Bradley wants to know who are your top five shortstops in baseball right now? Oh, right now. Okay, I'm going to fire from the hip because I'm not going to yep. do too much 
research here. I'm just going to go pure gut feeling. Bo is there. I'll, I'll go in no order too, but I'll just name the five guys I would put there. Uh, Bo is definitely there when he's healthy, uh, for sure. I think he's one of the best. Blue Jays would be nuts to trade him, but if they did, the package would be insane. I'm sure it would be. Uh, Corey Seager is up there for me now too. He really impressed me last year. He's built for the moment. Um, deserves to first all MLB team for sure. Worth the money. Uh, Lindor gets there for me. Uh, obviously a little bit of Mets bias, but he was 30, 30, you know, that, that no, kind of stuff matters tough not to me. put Lindor there. It's kind of tough not to include him. So I'm going to put him there. That gives me three. Let's scan the teams, scanning the teams, Trey Perner. I mean, he had a real good return to form and I'm not going to bet against him because he's been so good. So I think I'll, I'll sneak him into my top five as well. I'm sure that I'm forgetting someone so, so good. Um, who am I forgetting? I mean, is it crazy? No, he's not even a shortstop. I won't do him. Uh, let's just go with uh, Xander Bogart. So I don't think he's actually in yeah. my top five. He's the only name I can think of, but he's a solid name. And I, you hey, know, he's a great Who knows name. what it looks like in five years, but right now yeah. he's he's a good player. And we're just thrilled you didn't pull out Anthony Volpe's name. So, you know, no. little <laughs> it did victories. pop in my mind, but no. Right. Not, not uh, not part yet. two of that question now is considering Bo a top five shortstop, if he gets to free agency in two years, does he get three hundred million? I mean, you look at shortstop and center field contracts, and you look at Bo's resume, and it's it's not unreasonable at all. I mean, Trey just got that much money, and they kind of profile similarly. Bo's definitely better in the field. Trey's definitely faster, um, but they give me a certain kind of skill set that I really want out of my shortstop. And Bo is just—he's a really fun player to watch. He's a pure hitter. And I think if he has another solid season, there's no reason to not give him that kind of money. I'm curious to see what the rest of his market looks like. I'm not familiar with what his class is going to be, it's whether it's empty. going to be. It's empty. Yeah, okay. So that, that was my first yeah. inclination because last year's class was really the last stacked class for a mm -hmm. while. Uh, and if, if Trey got 300 in that class, Bo is probably going to get 300, maybe more in his class if he stays mm -hmm. healthy. Next well, you, year lacks two, so it's like two years in a row where you don't really yeah. have that premier shortstop. And then I, I also looking desperate. ahead after him, not good. Two years after him, Bobby Witt Jr.'s there. But I mean, we wow. said with Yamamoto right off the top, it's thin and top heavy, right? So yep. we're likely, I mean, he might have signed by the time this episode airs, but now we're talking about him getting a hundred million more than we would have guessed a couple months ago. Exactly. So, uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Okay. Um, Darren wants to know if you could change one rule to make the game better, what would it be? Mm, I love, love our game. Perfect. Okay. No, um, I don't know. Part of we lost him. It's censored. We lost you. Career. Oh, sorry. You're back. Um, what I was saying was like, I, I used to like the three batter rule and now I've come to not like it a little bit. Um, because I don't know. I missed the situ situation. You're like, give me bit. the it's lefty my, specialist again. <laughs> like, it's kind of how my friend Jerry got his career. And, you know, without it, who knows what, how he would have turned out. So if I were to change anything, and I, I'm not totally sure that I would in the first place. I think I think it would be that. That's fair. Well, I mean, that was to help speed up the game. And we found better ways to speed up the game, right? So Yeah, exactly. We could exactly. take some time swapping pictures now. Okay. Uh, Ashley wants to know with MLB TV details, sorry, TV deals uh, being in a period of flux and transition and new players getting into the broadcast game like Apple, 
and we'll probably see Amazon with an exclusive game eventually too. Uh, what would you like to see broadcasters do to improve or revolutionize the viewing experience? Well, I thought that what Apple TV did was really interesting with like new HD camera and like really cool angles that you couldn't really get on any other broadcast. Um, I think the biggest thing is it's just the local broadcasters on your premium broadcast. I mean, they were able to do this with Wayne Randazzo, who was the Angels comms guy, and he did Apple TV games. Um, but how cool would it be to see a broadcaster the fan base already really enjoys mm-hmm. go up there with maybe some new voices and get all this, you know, this fancy premium tech and get to call a big game? Because I think the most annoying part of you know, teams uh, making the playoffs or getting primetime games is that the voices that you've been listening to for six months aren't the ones calling the game. And that personally frustrates me because I, I love the Mets, but I think they do a great job mm-hmm. and they get basically robbed of every big Mets game that comes their way because New York is such a big market. So those games get scooped up. So I think that's the biggest thing I would change. If you're Apple TV or you're Peacock, um, find a way to make it work. I know there's contracts and situations with networks and all that, but find a way to make it work. That's okay. such a great point. La- I love that. Last one here. We'll try to squeak this into if you can. You can give quick answers. Sure. Uh, sure. Jeremy wants to know who are your top five players you would build a franchise around. This one I have to look at more because I can't say the wrong names here. Okay, <laughs> top five players I build a franchise around. Well, one is Otani because we just saw someone sure. invest one hundred million dollars into building their franchise around him. Um, so I think that's that's probably a safe bet. Um, let's see who else. Rob Acuna Jr. is still incredibly young, so I, I think that he, he kind of has to be on board. I know that freak injuries are always a risk there, but he's just too, too talented, and the Braves have built something special around him, so much so that they were able to win without him in 2021, mm-hmm. so he's on there for me as well. Um, I think the Royals recognize the talent they have on their hands with very young Bobby Witt Jr., and they've been investing a lot in free agency, so... Not only do I pick Bobby Witt Jr., but you might actually see some of that start to play out next season. Hopefully the Royals improve. I think I would put him on that list as well. Going 30-30 at that age is a small fee, and he's all a whiz in the field. Um, two more names I'll give position player-wise. I, I didn't do pitchers because building a franchise around a pitcher is kind of – it's not the mm-hmm. same. Um, Juan Soto. Uh, I think whatever team yeah. gets him in free agency and, and gives him the $500 million will enter a new era of their franchise because he is on that – by the way, is still young than like most of the rookies that are going to come up next year. Um, so that's still someone you can absolutely build around. He's been for five years and he's still younger than most players. And then Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll uh, yeah. proved that he is the real deal. He was worth the extension he got before he you know, played a sizable amount and brought his team, not single-handedly, but played a huge role in bringing his team to a World Series when they were not projected to get that far at all, let alone make the playoffs in the first place. So that's the kind of difference maker he can be. And I think he's only going to get better. Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, man. We always appreciate having you on here and uh, can't wait to bug you again maybe uh in six months or so and see if you can join us again here merry christmas to you all the happy holidays all that good stuff thanks again dude cheers absolutely guys thank you for having me cannot wait to make my uh, my next appearance in season seven of the off podcast that's good cheers <laughs>